0: Welcome to The journal.ae's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what led to the new COVID-19 restrictions? It's been a tough week so far, with Storm Ellen visiting along with everything else. Something you were looking forward to has probably been cancelled or had to change because of those new restrictions announced by the Taoiseach on Tuesday night. There was a strong reaction to those changes. People were confused by what seemed like contradictory directions from the government. But we are here to offer some clarity at The Explainer and joining me and double jobbing again is our producer, Nicky Ryan. He's the author of our coronavirus newsletter at The Journal, which you should check out if you're not already signed up to it. Also on the line is Professor Philip Nolan, president of Maynooth University and member of Nefit. He chairs its modeling advisory group and is the man with the charts that you'll probably recognize from the Thursday night briefings. But Nikki, I'm going to start with you because we're just going to quickly run through any of the, all of the restrictions. Um, What's the main new restriction that was announced on Tuesday night?
1: So the most important measure here are the new limits on gatherings. So we're at around 50 indoors and 200 outdoors before now but that has now been drastically reduced. So now you can have a maximum of six indoors and 15 outdoors. And in both cases, there's a maximum of three households. So there's a slight caveat here to mention um, in terms of home visits, and it's a little bit tricky to grasp at first. So excluding your own household, you can have six people over, regardless of whether you're inside or outside. So basically you can only have six visitors. Restaurants, cafes and pubs serving food, they're not affected by this and neither are weddings right now. They can continue as planned and religious services are fine as well. But sporting events are impacted by this. They can go ahead as planned and training can take place, but the matches must take place behind closed doors. Um, There's still a couple of question marks over certain industries to see how the guidelines can be implemented. Say, for example, gyms, they can open, but classes have to be limited to six people.
0: At the start of all this, remember when we were limited to you can't go further than two kilometres or you can't go further than five kilometres. You, We at the moment can't go to Leash Kildare or or if you're in those counties, you can't leave them. Are there any other limits on travel now?
1: Um, not quite, but we are being asked to limit our movements a bit. So even though most of us, including you and I, Sinead, are still working from home underneath um, tents constructed as makeshift recording studios, um, the government is urging for this Um, this to continue so basically it might serve as a reminder to anyone who recently returned to their office to reconsider that and just kind of make sure that it is safe to do so and or Perhaps make sure that it is unavoidable for them to be back in the office then we're also being advised to avoid public transport unless absolutely necessary so a lot of us might have been getting used to you know using it a bit more in a bit more of a discretionary way and um, now i haven't seen the inside of a dublin bus in since what march um, i've been on the lewis twice but you know people are commuting back to work again and um, but this advice has been tightened slightly and so, this in practice could limit the movement of people to a certain extent if they're being told to only use public transport if absolutely essential. And one more thing before we move away from transport: um, last night we were also told to wear face coverings when travelling in private transport with someone from another household. Um, if your friend gives you a lift, say um, you should both pop on a mask.
0: Nikki, what has been said about older people and those in at-risk groups, the cocooners, as we've been calling them?
1: So this is largely like the remote working advice. It's just doubling down on the previous guidelines that are issued. And um, people in those groups are being told to limit their contacts, avoid crowded situations, use designated shopping times so they're not in a busy shop, to avoid using public transport, and just really just limit their contacts with other people as much as possible. There is discretion here because they're, the, the guidelines, they're not too prescriptive. Taoiseach Michal Martin said yesterday um, when they were announcing the new measures that people in these groups, so people who are over 70s or people who are at risk of very severe illness from COVID-19 were all at risk, but certain people are even more at risk. um, They should exercise their own judgment and just weigh up the individual situations they're faced with themselves.
0: One of the things you mentioned there that one of the main new restrictions is limiting the number of people that can be in a household at any given time will Gardaí have powers to break up what are being called house parties but sometimes can just be small family gatherings
1: well yeah that's a good thing actually to point out that these uh, that a a small gathering can still be a problem without it being called a house party so the Minister for Justice Minister for Health and the Attorney General they kind of need to sit down and figure this out because it's a bit of a precarious area of law at least one part of it um the easiest the easy part is that the closing time of restaurants and gastro pubs that's going to be set at half 11 um and that's going to be strictly enforced by gardie it was previously 11 so they're getting an extra half an hour But there's also talk now of Gardaí being able to intervene in other breaches, like house parties is something that they have in mind. So the threat is there that the guards, you know, if you have more than 15 people over in your garden, um, that they could ask everyone to leave. But the instruments to carry out that threat, they haven't been decided yet. Um, You still shouldn't do it, Like, but we'll see what they figure out over the coming days.
0: Philip, Nikki has run through the restrictions there. um, But from your point of view, we all became familiar with curves at the start of all this. And the latest curves are going the opposite way to what we want. They are very much not flattened. Can you tell us exactly what kind of numbers of COVID-19 cases we've seen during the past two weeks?
2: So we've seen over a thousand cases um, in in the past two weeks. Um, In the first of those uh, weeks, the vast majority of those cases uh, were in large outbreaks and public health moved very quickly to control those and the objective there was to, was to prevent any further spread from the, from those outbreaks and in part i think we collectively and by that i mean public health colleagues and us as a population doing our best not to spread the virus in part we succeeded um, because the the level of spread from those has been slow but unfortunately, uh, we didn't succeed enough because in the subsequent week, we saw the disease spread into households and then between households. And then in the last few days, it's, it appears from households into the wider community. Uh, and equally, uh, the initial issues were in Kildare, Leash uh, but we began to see cases much more widely. Um, so we're now looking at a situation where there is Uh, too much spread of the virus and we need to work harder to contain it.
0: So those large outbreaks you're talking about, they're the well-publicized ones in meat plants. Were there any other, like, where else were they?
2: So yes, we we got them in a variety of smaller workplaces uh, also, um, and a a very significant number of outbreaks in parallel uh, in in extended families and uh, households. Some of those appear to be linked to the workplace outbreaks, some of them appear to be linked with each other, and some of them are spontaneous, that somebody picked up the disease somewhere in the community that we haven't been able to trace, brought it into their household, and it began to spread in, in that town and in that region.
0: Of the 1,000 or, or 1,200 cases that we have seen in the last two weeks, what is the level of that community tr- transmission then in in, in those numbers?
2: So, if if we go back um, two weeks, the level of community transmission was less than 20% um, of the overall case numbers. Now, we've had a very large number of cases in recent days and it takes the public health colleagues quite reasonably a certain amount of time to track down all of those cases to understand are they community transmission or can we find through detective work somewhere that that individual picked up the disease And track the disease down further. So right now there's a very significant number of cases, well over a hundred, that we know to be unexplained. Um, So we we can't give a precise estimate of community transmission right now, but our our, our sense and our best estimate is that the level of community transmission has significantly increased um, over the last 10 days. So we may now be seeing 1.5 or two times as much community transmission now as we were three weeks ago.
0: Does that mean in, in the next two weeks we're going to see community transmission from those community transmission cases? So in the next two weeks, will we see a large increase in the cases?
2: Well that's precisely why we had to move quickly and now. Uh, The way to prevent community transmission is for all of us, uh, and this is the thrust of the measures, for all of us to limit our contacts. And it is difficult, there's there's no doubt about it. One of the things that's keeping us sane uh, through the very difficult time, it's been six months now, is to to meet up with friends, to forget about it, Um, and, and the difficulty is we really need to Uh, restrict the amount of that that we do, and when we do it, be very careful, do it in small groups, remind ourselves of the hand hygiene. We've we've all quite understandably forgotten a little and relaxed a little. Honestly, I'm less attentive to my hand hygiene than I would have been in March and April, and I need to remind myself uh, that this is important, the virus hasn't gone away. so. Uh, It's not inevitable. Community transmission is not inevitable. If we're all on the alert and we're all careful, we can prevent and suppress that community transmission. So that's the the central thrust right now behind these uh, restrictions, reducing the numbers of social contacts and being really careful about protocols and practices as we go about our social contacts
0: when you're looking and when you're crunching the numbers can you see or do you know where the tipping point was like where did we see this go from locking down leash Offaly and Kildare more to what we had um on Tuesday night with the uh fresh restrictions
2: yeah i think i think we can trace the roots of this back and i need to be really careful i'm not i'm not not blaming anybody here uh, uh this is understandably human so i think we got three phases here Uh, The first phase that we would have alerted the public to in early July was that we were beginning to see a slow uptick in cases and the reproduction number came above one and we reminded the public that what seemed to be going on here was that forgetfulness, um, that that the virus was beginning to transmit a little bit more easily because we had all relaxed somewhat in, in our hand hygiene and physical distancing measures. And then on top of that, we got these very large outbreaks um, and again, you remember that when those outbreaks emerged in kildare Lee and Ophaly, um, we would have said there's a danger of community transmission. If we move now, we can limit or prevent that.
0: Uh,
2: so those localised restrictions in Kildare-Leish and did limit it, but didn't completely prevent it and and we began to see spread out into other counties and we began to see new clusters emerge in other counties so so there 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 there's there's isn't kind of a tipping point this has been something that's that's burned away in the background for a period of time uh, those large outbreaks were a huge challenge to 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 the system um and now we're at the point where if we do, don't take collective action um so we're at the tipping point now really um, as opposed to at any point in the past. If, if, if we don't take collective action now, um, the risk of significant community transmission, as you mentioned earlier, the, the possibility that what's in the community now will spread quickly within the community, that's the tipping point that we're at now. And that's why, disappointingly, I think for, for many people who'd, who'd hoped in a way that they were done with this, uh, we need to take a step back, literally a step back from each other uh, to ensure that we don't, if we're unfortunate enough to have the virus asymptomatically, that we don't transmit it to each other.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the reaction to the restrictions has been disappointment. And, and, and because we're kind of going through this again, I think there's a lot of um, resentment and anger out there as well. So a lot of questioning of why certain things were decided. Um and one of those things is cuz there's a lack of understanding about why certain things are are banned and why ser- other things aren't. Um for example like why are we why were certain social gatherings decided against and other ones are allowed? So why do we need to limit social gatherings if the big clusters aren't in those settings like we know that they were in meat factories yet we um can't have a exercise class with more than 6 people.
2: Yeah. So so First of all we need to be clear that even though it wasn't part of the announcement last night, there is a huge amount of work to be done. it are being done uh, in addressing uh, the particular issues in factories and those types of employment um, where it's difficult to maintain physical distance or there are other challenges to preventing viral transmission. And NeE and government, are working with employers uh, to ensure we're doing everything that needs to be done in terms of protocols and testing to prevent that. But that's just important to say that. I mean, the reality is that that this virus evolved to do one thing, to transmit from person to person. So so once it's in our community, at any kind of significant level, uh, it will seek out Any opportunity it can uh, to transmit and and that's why even though it seems a a very harsh measure um, it's necessary to ensure that we simply don't have uh, gatherings of more than six people uh, indoors or more than 15 people outdoors because larger gatherings and congregations around those gatherings really provide the opportunity Uh, for the virus to transmit, and the virus will exploit that opportunity. And uh, if that happens, we're then in a situation where we will find it extremely difficult to control.
0: Are these preventative measures or have we seen evidence of congregations? Like there was a lot of talk about house parties last night. Have you been able to trace some of the outbreaks to house parties, for example?
2: So absolutely, Uh, we have been able to trace um, significant uh, outbreaks to social gatherings uh, in in homes. Um, I I don't like the term house party because people associate that with um, a a given demographic. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're 30 or 60, if you have a large group of people in your home it's a a wonderful opportunity um, for the virus to spread and the virus will spread and it doesn't discriminate uh, by age. Uh, The only discrimination the virus has by age is the chances of it killing you? Um, it spreads equally easily um, amongst all adults. So,
0: it, it, is there an explanation for why there's fewer older people in the numbers at the moment? So that the, that the average age is much lower than it was earlier. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think there are two. There are two explanations. Um, uh, one is that uh, a lot of the spread here has been amongst younger workers. So, so. Uh, younger people are more likely to be back at work and they're more likely to be back at work in congregated settings. And the second thing I think is that o- older people remain more cautious, um, than, than younger people. So, so older people are continuing to be very careful, uh, uh about hand hygiene, physical distance and, and the wearing of face coverings. So they're protecting themselves, uh, from the virus. So they're protected by, by the fact that they're less engaged in those those workplace settings, but also protecting themselves outside the workplace by being really cautious in in, in, uh, their activities. And I think this is the call now that we all show solidarity across age, across sectors of society, that each and every one of us does our bit to not be the person that inadvertently transmits the virus. And Again, it's not a question of blaming somebody for transmitting it, It's a question of asking all of us to imagine we might have it and to do everything we can if we do have it uh, to prevent the spread.
0: One of the other numbers that we look at a lot is the number of people in hospital with COVID-19, the number of people in ICU with COVID-19 and obviously the number of people who have died with COVID-19 as well. All of those numbers are quite low at the moment um, compared to April. Why is that?
2: It's largely uh, because of the younger demographic. There's two reasons. First of all, there's there's a time lag, um, but we're beyond the time when we would expect to see people in hospital. And we are worryingly, um, the numbers of people in hospital stopped declining about two weeks ago and has now started to increase, albeit very slow and still very small numbers. But largely the reason is, um, that uh, the the chances of you being hospitalised, uh, the chances of you dying, increase very sharply with age. So, uh, under fifty, um, in, in in the in the pandemic to date, uh, very few people hospitalised, um, very few people dying. Though they do, I just need to be careful. Hospitalisation and death are not the only outcomes here. Young people can get very severe disease. Uh, a, a small number of them run the risk of being hospitalised or, or, or sadly dying. But if you are that person, uh, that's that's a tragedy for you and your family. So so young people are not invincible, uh, they're, they're just at much lower risk. So because older people are protected and protecting themselves um, in, in a way that, because the virus hit us so hard and so quickly in February and March, they weren't, um, those more vulnerable people um, are, are managing their own risk uh, and therefore not not contracting the virus and not being hospitalized and in a, in a way that creates a paradox um, people people were frightened quite frankly i was frightened in 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 february march and april so that served as a constant reminder to us to be careful um it's good news that people are not being hospitalized and not dying right now but the paradox is it means uh, we're less fearful Um, there isn't that reminder that we need to be careful and if we fail to be careful the virus will catch up with us and we will see hospitalizations and deaths start to rise again
0: do we know more about the long-term effects of covid as well and and how how much of that affects young people or this under 50 demographic
2: we know very little right now because, because six months is a, is a very short time uh, in, in understanding a viral illness. Um, the one thing I will say is that most clinicians are, are surprised by two things. The kind of stealth of this virus, the, the, the fact that um, you're really very infectious before you show symptoms, um, that's, that's, if I can put it this way, Clever on the part of the virus it can spread before you know you have it that's that's um, That's it's not it's not unprecedented But it's quite unusual for a virus that is this uh, Dangerous to also be this stealthy, but the second thing that surprised clinicians is just How severe a syndrome it can cause how widespread the effects are on the body on, on, on the brain um, uh, on uh, the respiratory system. So there is a concern that there may be worse long-term outcomes than we anticipate that will unfold over, over months or years. We already know um, that unfortunately some people, uh, young people included, can really struggle to recover from this virus and it has a very uh, slow recovery. Um, and very significant difficulties with, with, with breathing and mood. and I, I, We learn more over the coming months about how long that lasts, uh, how severe it is, how many people are, are affected by it, but it is a concern. Um, uh, it, it is a nasty virus, as I say, both in its stealth, uh, its, um, the, the breadth of the effect it has on the body, the number of organ systems and, and, and processes that it hits, and then as we're learning now, um, a worrying number of people continuing to feel quite unwell uh, months after they should have recovered from the infection.
0: What numbers are you going to be looking at and where do you want them to come down to before these set of restrictions could be eased?
2: There is no one indicator we look at. We, we look at the 14 day by the, for the country and for individual counties and areas. That gives us a sense of how many active infections there are out there. Uh, we look at the five-day moving average of new cases. That gives us a sense of how many new cases um, are emerging. And as you've alluded to earlier, we, we separate out um, cases in clusters and outbreaks from community and possible community transmission. And it usually takes a little bit of time to be, to be clear on those. To, to be honest, um, the strategy that we're adopting um, is to try and get case numbers as close to zero as possible. Um, it, it's it's not feasible to completely eliminate the disease from from the island, but we did have case numbers at very low levels. We had a national instance of less than three per 100,000. Um, if we can get back down towards that level, uh, we, we think we'll be, thinking about lifting some of the restrictions that we have in place.
0: What's a realistic time frame for that to get down to that level?
2: So so this is about the virus is constant. This is all about how people uh, behave and implement the measures. And again, I uh, want to be cautious there. I I, I have faith in people. I, I believe they understand what we're trying to do here. Um, and if if people really take the spirit and letter of these measures and say I'm going to day on day do my very best to prevent any further transmission of this virus, we could see the level of viral transmission come down very quickly uh, over the next two weeks uh, and be in a much better place. Um, the, the time frame really depends upon the extent to which people reduce their contacts and the extent to which people uh, uh, practice hand hygiene and physical distance uh, when they're engaged in those essential contacts.
0: On the recommendations then that government didn't uh, go ahead with from, from Neffet, there was a few things for example the weddings, uh, weddings of 50 people can still be held, held in, indoors, Neffet had wanted that to be reduced straight away to 15. Will those things become problematic then?
2: Uh, well the situation there is that is that government wants to think through that a little bit further and, and I I, I can understand that. Um, in the old days, a wedding was a once-in-a-lifetime event. Now it's it's probably only once in a lifetime, uh, and I I can really appreciate just how disappointing and disruptive it is at short notice to say that's it. I mean, the, the advice remains the same. You know, a gathering of fifty people, particularly when we're uh, emotional. And, and bonding and celebrating, it's a wonderful moment, but it's an ideal opportunity for, for the virus. And I know lots of people have postponed their, their weddings um, until the time when it's safer to do it. Uh, in terms of, 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 of banning weddings, I can appreciate the hesitation on the part of government to, to impose that kind of a restriction. Um, it was, uh, Dr. Roland Lynn would have said it last night, there was a long debate about that at Nefit because, you know, is it a proportionate thing to do? Um, and in the end, we recommended it on the basis of this, it is a risk and we need to be consistent in our advice, but I have I have sympathy both with government who has to make the hard decisions, we make the recommendations, they make the decisions, but also sympathy with people who are planning to get married in two weeks' time, uh, and, and might run a very careful wedding, if I can put it that way. Um, um, that government hesitated to, to impose that particular restriction on something that's, that's a relatively rare event in the lives of most families.
0: One of the other things that there's been a big reaction to is the limiting of spectators um, at sport. And obviously there was a strong reaction from the GA. I saw you tweeting last night. They have asked for NEFET to give them their, to give them evidence of, of where there were clusters or outbreaks um, at, at GA games. Is there evidence of that?
2: There is. Um, uh, the, the, the concern that, and I think we need to be clear, uh, I, I was minded when I saw that invitation from the GAA, it was a bit headmasterish, you know, could we come in and explain ourselves? Um, so let's let's be clear, um, uh, sporting organizations, the GAA included, have worked really hard over the last uh, number of months to allow sport and training to go on in a safe manner. Uh, and also, uh, as doctors and as members of society, we're profoundly aware of the very positive effects on people's physical and mental health of participation in sport so the the thrust of the recommendations was to allow uh, sport and training to continue our concern um, was around two things first of all that some of the protocols and protections had clearly slipped that just as we had relaxed in other aspects of society like our own hand hygiene some of, in some of these settings, the strict protocols and physical distancing were not being maintained. So the first thing recommendation is a reminder that when we're playing sport and training, we need to maintain our physical distance. We need to be careful about hand hygiene and all of those kinds of things. The other concern was the the, the congregation that was happening before, during, and after um, sporting events. So um we we know um from outbreaks that we've seen um that that people were traveling to these events together uh congregating before them uh physical distance wasn't necessarily being maintained um on the sidelines at all times and people were congregating after so if we're saying to people in terms of their own private lives and going out to restaurants uh, for a meal that they have to limit the parties to to six and with that very strong message about avoiding indoor and outdoor congregation, the same message really has to apply to to sporting events. So this is about spectators, um, not about participants. So the participants can participate, uh, but unfortunately it is necessary to Prevent the sort of congregation that's occurring around sporting events, just as we're required to prevent the sort of congregation that's occurring at times around restaurants, around private households.
0: How many um, outbreaks were there, and does that change our understanding of the um, virus being still? You're you still being very susceptible to the virus when you're outside.
2: So you're much, you're much more susceptible to the, so so there are, I, I wouldn't want to get into the details, but we did, uh, there, there was a pattern here. We saw outbreaks in um, uh, workplaces and households, uh, then more in households, and then we began to see them um, in sporting clubs, in uh, restaurants, in a small number of childcare facilities amongst the staff, and so on. So there was this kind of clear pattern from these primary clusters in workplaces and households out into secondary clusters um, in, in community settings. Now, there, there's, there's, there's a huge difference between the risk of uh, spending an hour indoors with somebody and an hour outdoors with somebody. But, but the virus can transmit in the outdoor setting. It's, it's less likely to transmit um, than it is in, in indoors. But, you know, we all know that even outdoors, uh, droplets from my respiratory tract can end up on your hand or face if I'm not careful about uh, keeping my voice down or my cough and sneeze etiquette. Uh, And if we come up close to each other and touch each other um, uh, in an outdoor setting, um, you know, if if I shake hands with you, and I know people are not shaking hands, but I shake hands with you, Uh, touch you. Um, It doesn't matter really if I'm indoors or outdoors, that virus has been transmitted through contact. Um, So, being outdoors greatly reduces the risk um, but the virus can still transmit outdoors and that's why there's a difference, six people indoors, 15 people outdoors, Um, uh, but we're still advising people, even when they're outdoors, to avoid physical contact to be careful with their hand hygiene before and after, and to maintain the two metres uh, physical distance under all the circumstances that they can. Just, just very importantly, um, in in many of the outbreaks that we've seen, the point of transmission is actually going to or from the event, um, sharing a car uh, to go to work, sharing a car to go to a match. Uh, and I'm really urging people, uh, Sometimes it's necessary for us to share transport, whether that be public transport or private transport. If you're sharing transport with somebody from outside your household, you really should be wearing a mask. You really should be very careful with your hand hygiene and and you should avoid it if you can. Sometimes it's essential. You have to get to work and the only way to get to work is to take a lift from your next-door neighbor. If you're doing that, you really should be wearing a mask for the journey.
0: If, if people have symptoms now and they're getting tested, how long are they waiting for the test and how long are they waiting for the results?
2: So broadly across the country, they're waiting less than 24 hours uh, from the point um, of uh, referral for the test to getting the test. Um, there 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 appear to be some delays in some parts of the country that have emerged o- o- over the last week, but, but broadly speaking, and we're working to shorten that time. Um, Uh, to get same-day testing in in certain circumstances. Um, It's true to say that that in managing the very large outbreaks and in starting serial testing in uh, nursing homes uh, uh, and uh, meat factories, that um, the tracing system, uh, the the, the case management and and contact tracing system has, has shown some strain so tr- we had been doing that within 72 hours. Uh, it stretched out another 24 hours in the last week or so, and HSE are working very hard to bring that uh, back in under the 72-hour uh, time limit and, in fact, to shorten it further. So, so we all know, and we're watching it very carefully, um, that, that the contact tracing part, so the test turnaround times nationally, still seem to be on target. There's, there's a difficulty in some regions. Uh, of the country which is being addressed and it's it's clear that because of the very rapid increase in cases in the last two weeks um, the the contact tracing system has experienced some strain which is also being addressed
0: i have a vested interest in the next question as an exiled kildare woman but can we get a sneak uh, preview of what to expect um in in about in the announcement about Kildare Leech and Offaly in the coming days, what's what's happening on the ground in those counties?
2: Well, uh, and you're also speaking to an exiled Kildare man um, in the sense that I'm currently. I'm, a,
0: a- I'm an exiled Kildare GA person, oh, so dear. I'm really feeling put upon right now. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I, I appreciate that actually, and and um, uh, th- there are some of these restrictions that I find very difficult too. So I I, I know. It's very challenging. It's very hard to say. Um, it does appear um, that in, in Kildare, Lee Shinophili, that the number of cases in outbreaks does appear to be coming under control. Um, it, there, some of the early outbreaks, we're seeing very few cases emerge in, in the last couple of days. Um, in one or two settings, we're somewhat worried now about the level of community transmission. Um, and that's, that's going to become clearer over the next few days. So I'm not.
0: What do you mean by settings there, Philip?
2: Uh, just, I, there are certain parts of those three counties where we have cases that we're working right now to, to track down and uh, understand fully. Uh, and if we can understand where those cases are coming from, that's one situation. But I do have to say the case numbers in, in, in Kildare in particular, but also Leash and Uh, remain high, the case numbers in Carlo are increasing, so NPHET is going to have to look at that uh, very carefully tomorrow. So I I honestly can't um, uh, give you a preview because even the numbers that we will get today and the reports that we will get today on the cases over the last three or four days uh, could considerably change the picture um, from what I understand it to be now. So it it is, I, I know it's a cliche, but it's a very dynamic situation, um, and Neff is going to have to look very carefully um, at the prevalence of disease in those three counties, which does remain high, uh, and remains higher than the rest of the country. So there's this broad message that we need to suppress the virus right across the country, because it's, it's, it's increasing too quickly in almost every county in Ireland, and then we have this situation in those three counties where there is a very high um, volume of disease still there. It's coming down um, as far as we can see, but it remains very high. We're literally going to have to go through those numbers line by line um, at NEFET on Thursday to see do we know enough to make a decision. That's the first uh, uh, hurdle that we'll have to pass. And then if the picture is clear, uh, what's the appropriate recommendation to make uh, to government at that time? So I, I know, I know, I, I'd love to be able to give you a clearer picture than that, um, but but unfortunately, um, it, it remains unclear to us uh, right now, and, and is becoming clear uh, as the days go by.
0: Crand, so no news for my Komogi WhatsApp group then today. But thank you so much, Philip, for coming into the explainer and explaining all of that to us.
2: Not at all.
0: Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Philip and Nikki for their work on this episode. If you read the journal, you may have seen our appeal in the past few months for you to support our journalism. It's been a difficult time for media as advertising revenues fell drastically during the pandemic, but we are and want to keep providing you and the rest of our 830,000 daily users with valuable, accessible journalism. Loads of you felt it's important for society to have that open access to news and good information, like this podcast, and have contributed. A lot of you then asked if there was a way you could give more regularly. We now have options to become a regular contributor. And if this is something you'd like to do, please head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer, Christine Bohan, producer Eva Barry and assistant producer and tech operator, Nikki Ryan. If you're enjoying the episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And more importantly, share with a friend who you think will enjoy them. Thank you and catch you next time.